All right, a quick start could be very good for the Ole Miss quarterback race. Whoever gets off the line fastest has the advantage this fall. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Um, you can catch me down there at the Stephen Willis on Twitter. And thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Hey, coming up in segment three, we have an extended, supersized segment with um, John Whittaker from Big Game Boomer. He is Big Game Boomer, all the lists. We talk about what he does. We also talk about Oklahoma because, as you can guess by his name, where he's from and we talk about texas and places he wants to go in the sec and we just have a random conversation um on this honestly kickoff weekend uh, but he specifically asked me if the sec is going to penalize tarns down and i was like no they don't penalize fins down they don't penalize um l's down they don't do any of that texas is going to need some therapy after this is over honestly so it should be uh, really fun so thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we have a lot to get to today, including that I've been sitting here thinking about it, okay? What do we want from the quarterback position this fall? And I think the earliest, the if, whoever gets off the line quickest has a major advantage. Remember, fall camp and fall practice is about 20 practices, tops. And that's if you go every day. There's off days they throw into, and camp's going to be a different story. But you have about 20 camp practices to get right. Then after that, you start game week, and everything kind of gets going. Okay. But until classes start, you got 15 to 20, somewhere in there, depending on when they go. I guess... They probably are going to start school sometime after the 20th of August, maybe the 23rd. That sounds about right. I don't know. I haven't seen the schedule. But if it's similar to what it was whenever I was there, it was about that. So you've got 20 practices. That means you can't really be a late bloomer in this situation. Or you're going to find yourself in week six of the season hoping that the starting quarterback has a bad game against Kentucky so you can go out there against Vanderbilt, and then you have a whole problem. You have all kinds of problems if that happens. So the faster one that you can get off the line between Luke Altmaier and Jackson Dart, I think is going to be a major advantage for this competition. I think you'll be able to see. Now, remember with Jackson Dart, you need a quarterback that is going to show some restraint. So I want to see him throw it to a check down a little bit. Even in there, whenever you're helmets and, helmets and T-shirts out there on the first practice of the year, I want to see him check it down to the running back. You have a five-star out there. You have an Adrian Peterson level back over there. Over here, you have a Jerry and Ely level back. You have weapons. Use them. Don't, you know... Chicks dig the long ball. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
but if it's three and out and punt, that's not going to be a good look for you. So it needs to be it needs to be reflective of an overall strategy. Don't go deep every time. Go deep every six plays. Do what the offense requires five plays. If you do that, you're going to be all right, and this offense is going to be fairly successful. You're going to make some plays in the deep game, and you're going to be able to function and move it down the field. That is the assignment for Jackson Dart going into this football season. There's not really a way to get around that. Now, Luke Altmeyer, first week of camp. I do not want him throwing to checkdowns when his shorts and shoulder pads. I do not want him to develop bad habits either. So we got five plays where the ball goes where it's supposed to go in the offense. And that one play we told about Jackson Dart, yeah, you can let it rip. Same thing goes to Luke Altmaier. It might be a different type of thing, but it'll be good if you do that. If you have the offense where the quarterback throws deep and they kind of wing it one out of every six plays, you're going to be in good shape. The rest of the time you do what the offense commands, either checkdowns or Michael Trigg or those guys. If you do that, you're going to be pretty good. And I have said pretty consistently, it is one thing to be talented, it is quite another to be good. And that quote is directly from um, Ken Dryden from the Miracle on Lives when he's talking about the U.S. team with a bunch of talented college kids going against the Soviet thing. That's the reason he said it's one thing to be talented, it's quite another to be good. This team has talent all over the place. They have to figure out a way to make that manifest itself positively for the football program. If that happens, this whole transfer portal experiment works. There's a lot of pressure on Lane Kiffin this year. Not hot seat stuff, but there's pressure because he has gone all in on this transfer portal thing. And the media and everybody else is pushing back on, well, you can't do it that way. It's not going to work. So they're all, they have it cocked and loaded. Excuses if Ole Miss wins, and I told you so if, so's if Ole Miss loses. And all of that, I don't think that necessarily bothers Lane Kiffin. I think he's a little bit of a different cat. But if you take the quarterback competition, Jackson Dart and Luke Altmeyer, that adds another layer of pressure in this situation to where this thing can kind of turn, be turned upside down. So it is going to be important for this football team to kind of, as quickly as possible, put to bed these bullet points that could be problem areas in the future. If you do that, and all of a sudden it's week three, and your one question is, well, the personalities are clashing a little bit in your wide receiver room. You can, you can focus that. You can do that. You can handle what is going on because it's not so big. It's not so broad. So that is one thing that I think you need to um, keep an eye on. Anyway, I do want to tell you about Built Bar and their Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. You heard me. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have been given, given the Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right, Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, flavor that you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate is a fluffy cloud 
of coconut brownie goodness, but stop drooling and listen. They are good for you too. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. All Bill Bars are made with collagen protein and your body can absorb that more efficiently and it provides tons of health benefits outside of that. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. So this is the offer. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, all one word, LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting January or July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from odds makers at Bet Online. That started Monday, by the way. It's available Monday, starting Monday on the Locked On um, podcast channel, wherever you get your podcast, and on YouTube. So that's pretty cool. So if you ever wonder who affects the line the most, these are the people that affect the line the most. I think the winner is probably going to be Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes, but that's just my opinion. We have to tune in and find out what's going on. So I want to talk about this. Ole Miss football put this out. Stripe the vault, October 1st against Kentucky. Um, different rows are going to be wearing navy blue and red. It's going to be alternate, and it's going to be a stripe out. And I have concerns. This is for somebody that worked in the athletic department that have he- has heard over and over and over again people that absolutely will not be told what to do, including what to wear. No matter how small it is, they're not going to be listening to it. So you end up with home games with everybody supposed to wear red, they're wearing baby blue, they wear whatever they want to, and sometimes it looks good, sometimes it looks pretty horrible. This one I'm giving a 24% chance of looking good. Um, and I'm not, not even joking about that, a 24% chance of looking good um, because I think people are just going to go total contrarian to where uh, I'm, I don't, I don't want to wear blue or I don't want to wear red. They don't even know which section they'll be in. They'll just know that they don't want to wear it and that maybe they want to wear powder blue. And then they'll say, well, the team's not going to come out in blue and red stripes, so we're not going to match the team. And every excuse under the sun will be used as a reason for them not to do this. So I do not have much faith that this is going to be able to be executed But if it is, it'll look really cool. It is hard to go wrong with red and blue. It just is. Hard to go wrong with red and blue. And this has a chance to look really good on TV. Kentucky is in town with that royal blue, so it's going to stand out everybody that's against the Kentucky people. They travel fairly well, but I don't expect them to travel that well um, for football. 
but Ole Miss has a chance to do something unique. Now, we've heard the complaints over the last year about Ole Miss not picking a shirt color and sticking with it. And everything is all excuses. Every single thing is excuses. You know these people. It didn't happen because of X or it didn't happen because of Y. But the reality is it didn't happen because you didn't want to do it. Well, something like this is going to require buy-in from most of the fan base that is doing this. If you are in Section M, you have a certain color that you have to wear. If you are in certain section uh, in the student section, hey, it's all red. The ones that it's easiest to get on the same page, it's all the same color. I do laugh at that, too. But the people there in the season ticket sections are going to have to really make a decision to do this. Now, it is smart for Ole Miss to bring this out now because it is going to have time to where you can kind of increase buy-in. If I was Ole Miss, I would put this tweet out every week. I would find a way to put this um, out on the official website, and I would just hit it over and over and over again, um, or else they will say that they didn't know. Whenever they show up in a powder blue shirt, they will say that they did not know that we were going to do this. And I just think that if you eliminate excuses, this is what you're going to have. It's going to be a big thing. So I hope Ole Miss does this right and continues. I hope the Ole Miss fan base adopts it because it look it could re- look really cool. I do not high, have high hopes after 40 years of PTSD of people making up excuses why they can't wear a color to a football game. I've heard this over and over and over again. I've heard this argument so many times. It just doesn't even make sense anymore. So a stripe out. I have questions about the execution of this, and I give it about a 24% chance of pulling it off. In the comments section below, tell me what you think of the stripe out and how you think the stripe out is going to look. Seriously. When we come back, we are going to talk to John Whitaker, Big Game Big Game Boomer. That's his name on Twitter, Big Game Boomer. Mr. Listmaster Extraordinaire is going to talk. you got about 20 minutes in there of him um and he's going to do that but right now let's hear from our sponsors all right thanks for making the lockdown on this podcast your first listen every day we are free and available on all platforms including itunes so don't forget to rate and review us on itunes you can say whatever you want to say just make sure it comes with a five-star review um you can say steve is an imbecile and he doesn't know what he's talking about but his guests are pretty good and i've got a good example of that right now john whitaker better known as Big Game Boomer is joining us on the show today. How you doing, man? Good, good. How's it going, Steve? Man, going pretty well. Now, if I remember correctly, you've been doing this for, what, 12, 18 months, somewhere in that ballpark? Yeah, about uh, February of 2021, I believe, okay. when I kind of got up and rolling. What, what was the impetus for um, getting it up and running? Yeah, so I had never used... I had it says like I had an account for since like 2012 no one but I had never really used Twitter mm-hmm. and I uh, took the week off of Thanksgiving uh, of 2020 and you know it was COVID so there was nothing to do so I just started getting online on Twitter and just seeing all these fans arguing with, with each other 
And so I started getting in on it. And before you know it, like I'm arguing with Desmond Howard and he's, you know, arguing back at me, slandering OU, you know, saying all kinds of stuff. And uh, so I just, from there, I was like, this is really cool. And uh, once the season was over, I um, just had some ideas, like putting some graphics out there. I'd seen some other people make some graphics and uh, I put a list out that was like, more uh, schools with more wins in Texas over the last 10 years. And uh, that went kind of crazy. And then ever since then, I just have been doing something almost every day. Uh, it's July of 2022. This has been going on uh, for a while now. It, it's uh, it's crazy. I had like 50 followers at the time and uh, it's gone quite up since then. Yeah, I think you're over 45,000 at the moment. Um, 45,000, yeah, on Instagram, or excuse me, Twitter, and then almost 50,000 on Instagram. That, that, that is really cool, man. Also, you'll see whenever um, you guys come to the SEC that one of our greatest traditions is Tennessee fans claiming their back. When you mix that with Texas fans claiming their back, yeah. I mean, the UT possibilities for both teams that's out of this world. Yeah, I was about to say that sounds a lot like Texas every mm. year, saying that they're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. T- Tennessee was the SEC equivalent of Texas when it comes to that, and it, it, they just happen <laughs> to do it. So, how how do you come about a list? Let's say, for instance, I saw the other day is like best rec- Mexican restaurant in each town. How do you yeah. come by that? How do you research that? So, like, what people don't understand is there is a massive like surface beneath Twitter like a huge network of college fans and so I'm amongst that group and yeah I haven't been to every college town Um, the college towns that I've been to and I've had Mexican food I have my opinion but I I will ask I will get uh, say Ole Miss fan uh, hey you know if you're going to get Mexican in uh, Oxford where are you going to go and they'll give me their their suggestion and then that's kind of how I roll with it and it's just, it's hilarious when, you know, you post that and, you know, over 2 million people look at it and they're arguing because there's never a right answer. It's just no. an opinion. And uh, it just makes for great debate. I mean, it's fun to, there's so much garbage on Twitter that, that people argue about. Like, let's argue about fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and you're never right because um, I have actually, basically, I've stolen the idea from you. And I'm doing top five Ole Miss lists on my TikTok page. Um, And it's never – somebody always chimes in that you're absolutely incorrect, and this is why. And it it doesn't really matter either way whether they are because at the end of the day, it's just my opinion on what's going on. But I I say that to say this. What is your favorite list that you have done? Favorite list, and this was kind of when I was just kind of getting started. I did the most – the best – pizza joint in every college town and um you know kind of doing my research asking people and i put Chuck E. cheese for alabama and i mean true story one of my relatives went to alabama and i was like she i don't think she really ate pizza and i was like what's the best pizza joint she's like well there's a Chuck E. cheese pretty close to campus but uh you know other than that, i don't know so i just kind of ran with Chuck E. cheese and before that, Chuck E. Cheese was twin- trending on Twitter all day. And, I mean, it was just – it was everyone was just making these jokes about Alabama. Nick Saban, that's where he takes his recruits to Chuck E. Cheese. And 
it was it was pretty fun that was really when it all kind of got started now i can't remember if it was oklahoma or oklahoma state so forgive me there but laquan treadwell was being recruited this is whenever he was coming through and taking an yeah. official visit i think it was oklahoma state and oklahoma state had a chance to really get him but they took him to a panda express that was that was the recruit meal a panda express and really? that yeah that ended up being the thing that pushed him to Ole Miss uh, believe it or not wow yeah well yeah I think Ole Miss has a lot is a much better food scene than Stillwater Oklahoma yeah. so <laughs> yeah but Oklahoma State does have the same mascot literally as New Mexico State it's the same guy like New Mexico State pays they, licensing fees yeah exactly yeah they pay Oklahoma yeah. State to use that mascot same with yeah. uh, Wyoming as well yeah, that's absolutely crazy. It's not that hard to draw a cowboy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, there's, <laughs> it wouldn't be that hard. Although, okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a list on camera today. I have, I have not given you any time to prepare for this. Okay. But I'm going to ask you the top five places that you're looking forward to visiting once Oklahoma comes into the SEC. SEC venues. Okay. Um Number one, got to be Oxford, uh, definitely. Um, number two is, uh, I guess, Baton Rouge. Um, I heard great things about Baton Rouge. Uh, three, gosh, man, that's tough. Because I've been to Athens a million times. Um, I guess you could throw Auburn in there. Never actually been to Auburn. Um, then four, Gainesville, uh, just because... Got to experience the swamp, and then I guess five Knoxville. Okay, yeah, no Knoxville is really cool. Now, whenever you go there, you're gonna look at it, and it looks like a giant Tinker Toy set or an Erector set from like back in the '50s, because that's just the way it was built. And you yeah. know, you know, trying to fix it up is just kind of putting lipstick on a pig. But it is really, really big, and it looks really, really big. And as Ole Miss found out this past year. Whenever they're rowdy and they're drunk and there's just a ton of stuff to play with, play for, that place oh, yeah. can be t that, that can be a hard place to play because they oh, they no can kind of cauldron a little bit. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit now that I got you on the um on the things like what does Ole Miss fans need to know about OU? Um, I mean, I think that OU. I mean, they fit right into the SEC blueprint when we're talking about fan bases. I mean, outside of the SEC, they're one of the most rabid fan bases out there. I mean, huge presence on social media, um, travel extremely well. Like, I think the first couple years when OU's in the SEC, you are going to see droves of OU fans go to every single road game because um, they already travel well. Um, great, great talent. But, but they're also very welcoming. Um it's not a very hostile uh, crowd. Like, you know, if Ole Miss fans come up to Norman, everyone's very welcoming uh, tailgate wise. Um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good, good, good fan base. Obviously I'm a little biased, but, but uh, I think it fits right into the SEC and uh, you know, we're, everyone I know is looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot, especially no, I haven't heard anybody ask him about it since it's said, but I'd like to know what Marcus Dupree has to say about all this, um, working down in Mississippi. You know, as, as a for, as a former OU player that kind of spurned the SEC back in the day, I, I, I'm curious of what his thoughts might be. 
best it ever was. That's mm. that's uh, Marcus Capri. Yeah, he actually, um, like you watch that for 30 for 30, and you realize yeah. that Marcus Dupree was so good, he got Barry Switzer out of the wishbone. That's how good of a <laughs> yeah. running back he was. And, and Yeah, man, it, I, that that 30 for 30, yeah, I watched that. Cause I, of course, I wasn't even alive when he was playing, mm-hmm. but, man, he was just a beast. Just <laughs> ran over people like crazy. Yeah, I don't know what was in the water back then, but that was Mississippi's version of, like, Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker, and all those guys – were kind of around at the same time. And uh, it, it, to me, it's just really interesting to think about because those are like super athletes that just completely yeah. changed the way the game was played. Now we're all spread offense, throw the ball around the park. Um, but back in the day, it was like three yards in a cloud of dust for everybody except those teams. Those teams were five yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. I hate to get off on a tangent about Marcus Dupree, but yeah, he he, he, was, he was the man. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was a dude, and even after the ACL, and that was back when an ACL injury was kind of a death sentence for a football player. But yeah. he even tr- he tried to like do the New Orleans Breakers of the USFL, and he went to the Los Angeles Rams, but he just didn't didn't have the thing that made him so special. Um, Mainly because if you look at the rugs they played on back then, it was like just basically playing on concrete. And you had Oklahoma with like a 24-inch crown in the middle of the field and sloped. <laughs> it, it, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, uh, crazy. Different times. Different times for sure. The game has come a long way. Okay. As an Oklahoma fan, and, and um, I'm not going to rag you too much about the baseball national championship, but I had to bring it up once. Hey, it's all uh, right. We didn't even deserve to. We no one was expecting us to make it that far. So you know, hats off to you guys because y'all were preseason number one. So uh, you know, yeah, and congrats. those pitchers, yeah, got drafted very high. It was very impressive. It just, yeah, you guys kind of ran into a buzz all that weekend. But tell people what they need to expect from Texas. We always make fun of Texas. The Texas is back. Tennessee's back. All of that stuff. As an Oklahoma fan, what does SEC fan need to be ready for Texas? You're going to see Texas fans coming into the SEC uh, very entitled, hugely entitled fan base. That They're going to expect the SEC to bow down to whatever they want because that's all that's happened when they've been in the Big 12. Bob Bowlesby and the gang just bowed down and let them have the Longhorn Network. Um, I don't think that would fly in the SEC. Um, they basically can get away with anything they want in the Big 12 because they're Texas. But when they're going to the SEC, you know, they're not the, they're not the biggest. They may be, they're a huge brand, but they're not the top dog. So um, Greg Sankey's not going to cater to whatever they want. Like, I sure as heck hope that the horns down penalty gets tossed away. Because um, oh, I think that's, that's a bunch of, that's I think gonna... that's a bunch of crap. Um so they, they, it's a very entitled fan base, um, and I know I have a lot of Texas fans, but but they just expect to be catered to because they're they're Texas. They're you know there's this image of you know, oh yeah we have decades of success and you know they haven't done anything lately. Um, so uh, it, 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 all the SEC fans I've talked to are excited about OU coming and are like God, we don't want to deal with Texas. <laughs> Because they are, they're very high maintenance, a high maintenance fan base. Yeah, and we've noticed about A and M as well that 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 is absolutely a cult. It is the most oh, yeah. bizarre thing, and and 
if Texas is extreme like they were the opposite way, both of those are going to be so annoying. But I tell you what, whenever Texas comes into the league, the first Thanksgiving when Texas A&M and Texas play again, I'm watching that game. No matter what else is going on, that Thanksgiving night, everybody be quiet. I'm watching that because I haven't seen people that just hate each other like they seem to hate each other. And I'm Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Like, we invented hostility. Yeah. Yeah. But Texas and A&M, there's some venom there. They hate each other, and they've been ducking each other for years playing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I hope that uh, with scheduling in the SEC that they – get matched up every single year that's a game that needs to be seen every year i don't care if the ad's don't like it greg sankey and the schedule scheduling committee needs to put those two together every year yeah and um just to say like texas decides wants to be catered to and all that they're entitled yeah and and, in the sec there are six texases so they're not they're not going to be able to big boy um absolutely everybody um, in the conference because Alabama and LSU and Georgia and Florida, they're going to be like, calm down, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the most things I'm looking the most forward to is just the Texas arrogance, and I think a lot of that's going to go away pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and I think it's good that they decided to give up the Longhorn Network to come into the SEC. Oh, thank God. Yeah. 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 Because I, I have a video on my site. It's kind of a history of realignment. And uh-huh. it kind of it started before the Longhorn Network, but the Longhorn Network really kicked everything off. Yeah, and, no, I, and, absolutely. And we just kind of went through it chronologically and everything, and it just Texas starting bullying people into voting down a Big 12 network so they could start their own. Somehow they agreed to do that. And all of a sudden, Nebraska bolts out, but Nebraska voted against the network just like everybody else because they thought they could get their own network. But they couldn't. Yeah. And it just turned into a whole bunch of chaos. And now USC and UCLA is in the Big Ten basically Stupid. because Texas wanted their own network. Yeah. No, I, I tweeted that a, a couple weeks ago. I was like, yeah, we're all arguing about this now, but you can basically trace all of these moves back to the Longhorn Network. Mm-hmm. Um, so blame Texas for a lot of this realignment that's going on right now. Yeah, and and Greg Sankey at SEC Media Days in his speech, he basically fired shots at the Big Ten over and over about geographic footprint of the conference because that Piscataway, New Jersey to Los Angeles road trip twice a year is yeah, going to be. Yeah, I mean, like at least OU in Texas, it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you're expanding. Like, I mean, Fayetteville's like three hours from here. I, I mean, every you can still drive to a lot of these places, but I mean. Nebraska Nebraska is the closest uh, school to those LA schools, and it's like two thousand miles away. I mean, I, it would have been one thing if they added like Notre Dame or Virginia, and it just made because I, I like the regionality of college football. Mm-hmm. This just it, it makes abs- it's a money grab, and that's pretty much all there is to it. Yeah, and people that say Oregon and Washington to the SEC, they're just not paying attention and just throwing stuff at the wall because the SEC would never take either of those two teams. I think if the SEC expanded, yeah. if that happened. You could see a team like North Carolina. You could see Florida State. You could see Miami. You could see Virginia, even Kansas. Uh, and it would make sense footprint-wise, maybe not necessarily football, but if you needed somebody to get to 20, yeah. Kansas as a basketball brand, there'd be worse ones to get. But it would be neighboring states at a maximum, like Kansas and Missouri. That, that It would be worth yeah. it to have that game back. Um 
that's a game we definitely need. Yeah, people don't realize the hatred that comes with Kansas and Missouri because they're not good at the same time very often. But that goes back to the Civil War. There's all kinds of hate um, in that rivalry. Oh yeah, no, they. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that yeah, that that those schools need to be playing every year for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and eventually. My idea, by the way, before I let you go, um, I had an idea of, like, if we're going to do this super conference thing, if we were going to do this, we need to, um, as the SEC, just go through and get um, basically eight teams out of the SEC, grab a couple of teams out of the Big 12, and set it up with pods to where you have a Big 8 division with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Missouri, Kansas, th- those guys in a pod. You've got a Southwest division with Texas, Texas A&M, um, and some schools that would fit down there. And then you have the um, OG SEC and the OG um, ACC, and that is your super conference because the pods actually becomes what the conferences actually was at one time. Yeah. No, sign me up. Sign me up for that. I yeah. like it. Yeah, because, yeah, it, it, to me, it drives me um, absolutely bonkers to think that a quarter of the Big Eight is going to be in the SEC. It, it, I mean, yeah. that, that one's no, just I, weird I, for me. Stupid. As somebody that yeah. um, watched on Fridays Oklahoma and Nebraska back in the days whenever they would just beat the heck out of each other and the final score would be 13-12, to 12, um, you know, one team running the I formation, one team running the wishbone, but they're essentially running the same offense and just yeah. kind of imposing their will down the field. That just became a yearly thing for me. Um, and that's what the Big Eight, like back in the days when Colorado and Bill um, Bill McCartney and them, those guys running the I bone um, with with those guys, like Eric <laughs> Bieniemy and that, and. You know, Iowa State and Kansas State couldn't beat their way out of a wet paper bag. And then you have Oklahoma State, where every now and then they'd have somebody like Barry Sanders and Mike the Mullet um, at quarterback, and they'd be all right. But most of the time they were kind of in the middle of the pack, and then they were right there with Missouri. But that that's the way I think of the Big 8. And I hate that the, when the Big 12 was created because of – all of the SMU and all the cheating that happened in the 80s, the Southwest Conference collapsed. We ended up losing the Big Eight because of that. That That's the weird thing that I don't think people realize. Yeah, no, conference realignment is one of those things that, yeah, it, it just, yeah, a lot of it you can blame Texas for <laughs> almost all of it, really. <laughs> yes, and um, by the way, the they SEC always want more is, money. Yeah, SEC is not going to ban horns down. Arkansas does horns down on like a random Wednesday in February, even if no Texas fans Good. are around. They're they're not never going to stop doing horns down. They like teach it as a freshman level orientation up in Fayetteville, even though they haven't hey, played if they regularly. Can, <laughs> if they can do if they can do horns up, then you mm-hmm. should be able to do horns down. I mean, that's yeah. just it's ridiculous. That's a taunting penalty. And the Kentucky Louisville game, um, the Kentucky fans do the L, does the L down. And that's, that's not a penalty. The, that's not a penalty at all. Yeah, um, um, good. Mississippi State does the um, down fin thing because on the, the old list, yeah, yeah. So all of that, none of that gets a penalty, and yeah, Texas Texas is going to need some therapy after um, the first year through the SEC. I'm quite certain it's going to be a rude awakening for sure. <laughs> anyway, thank you, John. Um, 
And get more of on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen every day. John, thank you so much for stopping by, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if um, you ever need some help with Ole Miss, I'm, I'm here to help you out, bud. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate you, Steve. Yeah, right. you take it easy. All right. Have a good one, man. All right. All right. See ya. All right, bye.